0: Okay, we're going to continue our message, Perusia today. Uh, the the sermon is back in the back. If you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it on the back. You can go to thefoundrypress.org if you're watching online, and you can access it there. There's going to be a lot more detail and citation in here than what I'm going to share uh, in the sermon, because we don't want to be here all day. I could talk about this all day, too. <laughs> trust me. Uh, but it, I, I, I just... I think it's important to be able to kind of go back over it, to have the citation, to know where you can find this, that, and the other, because it just helps you to have confidence in what we're saying and doing. So uh, I encourage you to, uh, to do that. We have been talking, one of the topics that we've been covering for several weeks now are the Zadok priests. If this is a new topic for you, if you haven't been with us the past few weeks, I'll give you a little snapshot of that. There was a faithful priest. He was a Levitical priest during the time of King David. Whenever King David died, power was to be transitioned to Solomon. There was a coup attempt. So one of the priests participated in the coup attempt. One of the priests was faithful to David's wishes and anointed Solomon king. That was Zadok. So the descendants of Zadok have historically had a special blessing upon them because they've been loyal to the one true God and they have faithfully understood and transmitted the correct interpretation of Scripture. That's important. That's an important thing to think about. God's anointing rested upon them to remain faithful, to understand the Scriptures, and to transmit it to future generations. They were what is called the remnant. So you, you read the remnant about the remnant a lot in both the Old and New Testament. The sons of Zadok are those who represent and preserve the remnant with their teaching and service. So that's an important uh, thing to re- remember as we get into this message because this story is in the backdrop of all of the Christmas stories. How many of you know that the Christmas story, the uh, the story we we rehearse at Christmas time is a tale of two babies, not one. Right? Of course, we have baby Jesus. We know that story. And both of these babies that these stories are about, their conception was announced by the visitation of an angel, the angel Gabriel. Of course, we know the angel Gabriel uh, appeared to Mary and told her, announced the message that Patty read for us during Silent Night. That was the message the angel. Announced to Mary, your son will sit on David's throne, and and his government's going to last forever. The angel Gabriel appeared to another person. This time, it was a man named Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest. He was serving in the temple. Uh, He got called by Lot to serve in the temple to burn incense. That was a high and rare honor. Zechariah was a descendant of Zadok. He was a Zadok priest, and he was serving in the temple, and the angel appeared to him and said, you're going to have a son in your old age, and you're to name him Yohanan, which is translated John. But I say the the Hebrew name because it's, it's, it's a big deal. The angel makes a big deal about this name. And Zechariah is questioning the angel because he's, he's an old man. He's like, really? And the angel says, because you question it, a sign is going to be, you're going to be mute. And then Zechariah's speech isn't unlocked until he affirms the boy's name, Yohanan. John. So this, it's like this name is a big deal. And we don't really know why we're not told in the text But if we we look at the the backdrop, we look into the Zadok priesthood, we can see the last high priest of the nation of Israel. We referred to him last week as Onias, but that's just an abbreviation. The last authentic Zadok high priest of the nation of Israel before they left and went to the wilderness of Egypt was named Yohanan. And so this is a message. We are connecting John, the son of a Zadok priest, with the last high priest, the last legitimate high priest of the nation of Israel. Now, Zechariah, the story of Zechariah, you know that uh, whenever Jesus was born, King Herod sent to have all of the babies two years and under killed, Right? Of course, that would have applied not just to Jesus, but to the other baby that was born, John, as well, right? So the story goes, it was actually recorded by Hippolytus, who was one of the first bishops of Rome. He was an early church father. He records that uh, whenever the soldiers came to find John, because they heard about that story, that Elizabeth... Saw them coming, took the baby and ran, and then they confronted Zechariah and asked him where the baby was. He refused to give up his son and they murdered him on the spot. So Zechariah was murdered by the soldiers of Herod. Elizabeth and John fled and escaped. And as John comes on the scene with his ministry, he's in the wilderness. Because that's where Zadok priests go, right? God sends the Zadok priests to the wilderness because the established religious leaders are corrupt. The government is corrupt. We can say they're under the control of Satan. Satan is in control of the government and the religious leaders of Israel. They're apostate. And they are oppressing the authentic message, the authentic believers in God and his plans and purposes. And so when we see John in the wilderness, it's not just because he's weird, church. He's under persecution. He's been under exile. And so people are coming to him in the wilderness to hear the message because they're not getting it from the religious leaders. The religious leaders are not communicating the authentic message. And again, we want to we point this out, and we're going to look at John's message with with some depth, because what God did before in the first prophetic cycle with the first coming of Jesus, he is going to do again at the second coming of Jesus. That prophetic cycle is going to be repeated. And so this is an important thing for us to look at because, well, as I pointed out, we are in the wilderness, right? And I read this at the community prayer meeting I'm not sure everybody got it like I hope that you get it, but we had a community prayer meeting uh, last Wednesday. Very important thing. Hopefully uh, some of you choose to join us next time we do it. And I read this scripture. It's from Revelation chapter 12. There, the woman uh, flees from the dragon, Satan. There's a woman. She flees to the wilderness. That could also be translated desert. The woman flees to the wilderness where a place is prepared her, where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time. She is nourished, fi- nourished physically and spiritually in the desert from satanic persecution. Okay? And I said that because we are in the wilderness. And, and the text says a place was prepared. Just like with Jesus, when he went to Egypt, God didn't just snap his fingers and, and provide a place for him, he had been providing a place for Jesus and, and his family to escape for hundreds of years in the wilderness, in the desert. Are you with me? So when Revelation chapter 12 says there's a place God is preparing his people for satanic persecution, he's going to be preparing it, not just in the snap of a finger, but for hundreds of years he's going to be preparing a place for people to flee and be nourished physically and spiritually spiritually. During a time of intense satanic persecution, that prophetic cycle is going to repeat itself. And so church, we need to press into the message of John because it says explicitly, the last words of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi, it says explicitly the ministry of Elijah is going to return before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And I believe we're called to be begin making preparations for that ministry for places like La Texas that is on the edge of a desert, a wilderness. God is preparing a place for people to flee satanic persecution. And I believe we are called to be in training to be just such a place. Now, there's gonna, there's gonna be places all over the world where this is happening. The, the first time the ministry of John came, the forerunner ministry of John came, it was just to the nation of Israel. In the second prophetic cycle, it is going to be global. Prophetic cycles always repeat and they always increase. And so in the second prophetic cycle, it will be global. There are going to be places all over the world where small little nobody out of the way places are called to begin making preparations. I'm going to read to you from Isaiah chapter 40. John is in the wilderness, he's under persecution, he's in exile, but he's called to prepare the way for the ministry of Jesus. And an interesting thing we know about studying history, the, the high priests at the time, Ananias Annas, and Caiaphas, these were the evil men who oversaw the prosecution and murder of Jesus Christ, they were the high priests at the time. So when John's ministry comes on the scene, these men are the high priests, they are apostate. But what the text is telling us, John, being the son of a Zadok priest, and what we don't know about Zechariah, again, apart from church history, like the writings of Hippolytus, Zechariah wasn't just a Zadok priest, he was the leader of a school of prophets that has a history from Moses all the way to John the Baptist. He was the leader of a school of prophets, prophets who were in charge of being stewards of the knowledge of God and accurately preserving that knowledge for future generations. And so what we know from the Old Testament law is because the, the high priests at the time were apostate, The leadership falls back on the last uh, previous leader of the prophets, which would have been Zechariah. Since Zechariah died, it would have fallen to... So we don't know. What we don't know is John the Baptist is not just the de facto leader of that school of prophets. He's also the de facto real, legitimate, authentic high priest of Israel. And he is functioning in exile. In the wilderness, people are coming to him. And here's his calling Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. By the way, in the Dead Sea Scroll, the writings of the Zadok priests, it says, The Holy Spirit told them one of their order would fulfill this prophecy of Isaiah. And John the Baptist identifies this as his calling, Isaiah 43. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. So the preparations are where? In the wilderness or desert. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Make a a clear path so when Jesus comes on the scene, he's ready to go to work. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. Now, that's an important point. That's not just kind of fancy poetry, all right? What are mountains? Mountains are things that people deem big and important, all right? What are valleys? In the minds and hearts of people, valleys are things that are considered unimportant and secondary. So John is called as a prophet to tear down those mountains that are really false idols in people's minds and hearts and to bring up valleys, things that people think are secondary. Those are really the most important. You need to lift those up and emphasize those. Let's keep reading. The uneven ground shall become level. Now listen, this is things like things in our understanding about the word of God, the plans and purposes of God that we don't quite get. You're going to clear that up. And the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Jesus said of John the Baptist, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And then if you know what he says next... You know, we typically read this and kind of go ho-hum. I, I really want you to hear this. It was because of the mission of John the Baptist he was greater. He had the greatest honor because his ministry was to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. No one has been arisen that's greater than John the Baptist. Look at the next verse. This is Matthew eleven eleven. Yet the one who is least... In the kingdom of heaven is greater than He. Church, I would propose to you, because of that statement, we are inheriting very high expectations. You are inheriting, as a believer in Jesus Christ, At your baptism, you were baptized into the order of Melchizedek, Melchizedek being the prince or the chief of the Zadok priests. You were baptized into that order. You have extremely high expectations placed upon your shoulders. That's why I feel like God is emphasizing... In this season of our church, I'm praying that you would really get this, that you would take ownership of it, and beyond that, you would develop the ability to teach others and spread the message. The Zadok priesthood were stewards of knowledge, understanding, and information, a proper understanding of Scripture, and they were to communicate that to other people. This is one of the reasons I do the the foundrypress.org the substack where I, I post all of my articles and my podcasts. This is a repository of information where you can be in training on a regular basis. If I teach a class up here on Wednesday nights, I might have five people come. If I do my podcast and my articles, I can tell I have about 50 people that pay attention to those. You know? And and then you can share that with other people because I believe this message is go- going to be what God emphasizes. In the next phase of the church, as our government becomes increasingly apostate, as our churches become increasingly apostate, God is going to have places that preserve a correct understanding of Scripture, and they will be able to communicate that not a lot of people. We're not going to have massive numbers of people that we're communicating to. It's very important that we communicate it to as many as we can. Some people might get discouraged. they only have 50 people reading their articles and listening to their podcasts. I think that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy five people listen to it. you know? Mainly, I do it because that is me training myself in the knowledge of God. And, and I'm going to do that even if nobody listens. You understand? I want to remind you of the prophecy the Zadok priests made. The Zadok priests were 100% accurate in the things that they predicted. The sons of Zadok are the chosen of Israel called Hashem, whose priesthood reappears in the last days. So we have Malachi prophesying, prophesying the ministry of Elijah will reappear before the coming of Jesus. We have the Zadok priests prophesying the same thing. And John's ministry was only a partial fulfillment of that. It was a prophetic cycle that will be repeated. So in light of that, let's look at John's message. I'm going to try and get through this in a timely fashion. <clears throat> Again, there's more information in the article that I might cover here, but it's important we look at John's message. Let's, let the, let's look at the specific things that he spoke to the people that were coming out to him. He had Levitical priests, he had Pharisees, Sadducees, he had the people coming out to hear his message. One of the things John preached, Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to be reading from Matthew and Luke mainly, that's where these stories are told. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, In those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the main message of the forerunner, the person that's preparing the way for Jesus. There is a kingdom that is coming on the scene. Now, you've heard me talk about that plenty, right? The kingdom of heaven. It is a literal kingdom that will be established on the earth by a resurrected man who returns at some point in the future. You guys get that? Hopefully you've gotten that. I've preached about that for years. This is the main message that John was preaching to the crowds that came to him to prepare them for what was coming. Now, church, this is the reason I preach about this so much. It's the reason I care about it so much. This is my particular calling. This is my message. Is to preach the message of the kingdom. The only thing Jesus preached was the gospel of what? The kingdom. This is an important message that God is going to raise up. We really need to get this. That's why you're going to hear a lot more about it in the future, because this is my message that I'm called to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean, repent? It means to turn from something that you really care about, that is probably a false idol, and to turn towards the thing that's really important, the kingdom of heaven. Tear down mountains, raise up valleys. And so when the Pharisees and the Sadducees came out to hear John's message, I'm going I'm to substitute the Pharisees and the Sadducees for something else because I need you to understand what he's addressing. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were the Democrats and Republicans of John's day. And that's funny, you're supposed to laugh, but that's the truth. The the Sadducees were the liberals, the Pharisees were the conservatives. And do you want to know what John called both of them? You brood of vipers. Repent! Stop caring so much about that, it is going to get hijacked by Satan. It's all going to get hijacked by Satan. This is why I have disaffiliated from any political party. I have repented of that. It's not going to change anything. Who the next president is isn't going to change anything. Okay? The chaos is going to come upon us regardless of who gets in office. Repent of that and turn the eyes of your heart towards your only hope, which is the return of Jesus Christ. Are you with me, church? Chaos and madness was falling upon the people of Israel because their minds and hearts were set on those things and Satan was taking control of them. And guess what Satan brings? Madness, chaos, hatred, division. Amen? You guys realize we've got an election coming up next year? You hide and watch how crazy people get. Disentangle yourself from all of that garbage. It's nonsense. Set the eyes of your heart upon the coming king, Jesus Christ, who's going to replace all of that junk with something that is real. Okay, next verse. We're going to look at Matthew 24. And this gospel of the kingdom will be, will be pro- proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. It's the gospel of the kingdom. That God is going to place upon the minds and hearts of the end-time church the faithful Zadok priesthood who don't slip into the apostasy, the satanic garbage, if you are able to resist that, this is the message God is going to be calling you to preach, the gospel of the kingdom. It will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Matthew chapter 3, verse 4. Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. In other words, John was comfortable with being an outcast and not fitting in. Are you comfortable with that? Are you comfortable with being a conspiracy theorist? Are you comfortable with being labeled a right wing terrorist group? Are you comfortable with that? Are you comfortable with living on less than what you're used to? Are you mentally prepared for that? Let's look at Luke 1.16. John the Baptist. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. John is leading a religious revival in the wilderness. Many of the corrupt leaders were repenting. A lot of the priests were repenting and following John. Now, there's two things here. He had power to convince people to return their heart to the Lord God rather than to the things of this world. But I also, we don't, you know, John didn't really, we don't have anything that says that he ministered to families per se because that probably wasn't necessary in his day and time. Families weren't as uh, eroded with false ideologies as they are right now. But I believe that is going to be a part of the second prophetic cycle. It will be a message to restore the family unit which is under unprecedented attack right now. Amen. That's going to be a part of our message is to protect and preserve the family unit, family unit <clears throat> to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Matthew chapter 3 verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Saddu- Sadducees, he said to them, you brood of vipers, Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I've already covered that. That's about uh, disentangling yourself from the bondage of political ideologies. I'll say this. I haven't said this. I'm going to make some of you mad when I say this. Okay? As governments become increasingly corrupt... I already know you're going to be mad at me. You don't need to tell me after the service. (laughs) As governments become increasingly corrupt, they come under the control of Satan. Things like patriotism, which have been appropriate and good at certain points in history, could cause one to be in agreement with Satan's Antichrist agenda. You need to be careful of that. Make sure that you don't have any false idols erected in your minds and hearts. There is only one person we're to look to and one person we're to worship for our security, our comfort, what we believe in. The Zadok priesthood had an ideology... The thing is, it was correct. Anything else is false. We must begin now disentangling ourselves from political factions and affiliations and binding ourselves exclusively to the message of the kingdom. Messiah will destroy everything else. It's temporary, it's weak, and it's easily corrupted. Okay, moving on. Luke chapter 3, verse 10. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And John answered, he had an answer. When the masses who are confused and have not been trained in the message, and most people haven't been trained in the message, there need to be people who can tell them what to do. You know, a lot of times they're not going to trust people like me. Most of you don't, do you? There need to be regular people who've gotten in agreement with the message and communicate it because people like me can't be trusted. And that's the truth. You need to know for yourself. And he answered them, Whoever has two tonics is to share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors... Also come to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Don't extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be content with your wages. In order to survive the coming chaos, we must develop the judgment to discern right from wrong. Mainly by studying and practicing the Sermon on the Mount, along with the rest of Scripture, as we disentangle ourselves from these big ideas that we've given ourselves to, political ideologies or economic practices or principles, whatever it is, we should dedicate ourselves to serving and supporting our local communities and public servants. Now, you should care about that. Things that maybe don't seem that important are really important. Who's your local sheriff? Who's your mayor? Who are your business leaders, right? We need to really... Make sure we're taking care of these types of people. We need to stop trying to squeeze every dime and penny out of each other that we can. We need to become generous. We need to practice radical generosity towards our neighbors, the people that are around us. And, okay, finally, I'm going to try and wind it up here. Luke 21:34. Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. They are going to get, it's going to get really bad. I've told you that for years. You haven't seen anything yet. And they, they come upon you like a trap, for it will co- come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. There was a prophetic cycle where that happened in Israel and Jerusalem in 8070. There will be another prophetic cycle where that happens on the entire planet. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. In other words, as bad as the Bible predicts things are going to get, if you pray and watch and prepare, if you participate in the the second prophetic cycle, you will have strength to escape all of that. Oh, I can't read Revelation. I'm so scared. Grow up. All right? Engage. Participate. Go into training. And it's actually gonna be really exciting. It's not scary, it's exciting. I'm excited about it. Right? I've said this before: a Marine trains for battle. He's not trying to avoid battle. Typically, if you've done the training that a Marine does, he's excited about battle, right? Okay, sorry. I've read that already. I've read that already. Amen. (laughs) John the Baptist. It's an important story. We need to press into it in this season because God is doing things even now, church. This isn't for the future. This is for right now. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, And, yeah, our worship team can come up at this time. Father, we just thank you, and we want to be a people who don't close our ears to you, who don't turn our eyes from you. We press into the message. We don't retreat from it. It says in the book of Hebrews, if you shrink back from, from me, from my message, I will take no pleasure in you. And Father, we want to be a people who don't shrink back from the mission, the mandate, the calling. We embrace it. We press into it. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray for grace to be upon the people of First Methodist Church to hear what you're saying in this season, to see what you're doing. I pray that you'd cultivate a hunger and a thirst for the proper knowledge of God in this church that we would have an appetite for the things of God in this church. Father, I pray that we would begin engaging in the discipline of studying daily what your word teaches. And so Holy Spirit, thank you. This is a season of preparation. And it's just the beginning. Just catalyze a new season that doesn't end at Advent, but it continues throughout the year of strict training in godliness that's what you're calling us to and so father we thank you for that we trust that you're going to help us to become effective at being communicators of your word day in and day out pray and ask this in jesus name amen let's stand and sing one last song together